This is Craig Hostetler, and you're listening to the Black Sheep Experience. And welcome to the Black Sheep Experience. This is episode number three. So thank you so much for joining me, man. I really appreciate it. Coming to you from the underground. So, uh, hey, uh, such a great week, man. Um, Such great feedback from the Holy Heretics um, uh, podcast that I uh, was on, and then uh, the first two up and running podcasts have had really good feedback as well. So thank you guys, man. I really appreciate it. A couple of uh, quick things. So this is only episode number three, right? Brand new podcast, and it is so hard to make a podcast make it today because there's just thousands of them. And uh, any help that you can give us uh, is greatly appreciated. And so the way that you do that is uh, simple. You can follow us on one of our three, or all, preferably, on uh, our three social media outlets. You can find the Black Sheep Experience on Instagram, on Facebook, and on Twitter. Uh, Subscribe on iTunes, rate on iTunes, Google Play, uh, all those kinds of things, and then share it on your social media uh, platforms, right? Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Let people know that we're out here. Uh, let people know what you think about it. And uh, at this point, any publicity is good publicity. So, man, I'd really appreciate it. It is a it's a bigger deal than what you think, and it'll take you just seconds to to do that. So, thank you very much. So, uh, let's jump right into it today. Today's episode number three is called "God." I forgive you. Uh, So what I'd like to talk to you about today is the idea that um, I guess in my journey became something I needed to go through. And as strange as it may seem, it is the act of forgiving God. Um, Now the idea that God would need some form of forgiveness, I agree, sounds a little absurd. In fact, I did uh, did a little bit of in, uh, internet research on the subject, and uh, there's not a lot out there, but there are some people who had a how dare you uh, mentality, as there uh, is with all things on the internet. Uh, but I think, to be honest with you, some of you understand, and probably you can relate to this idea. Maybe if it's a new idea to you, maybe you're thinking, wait, you know what? The idea of forgiving God does somehow resonate with me. So this to some of you makes sense because, you know, and uh, and we'll do a, a little bit here with this. Um, you're holding a grudge, and maybe even a justifiable grudge, but you have a grudge against God. You have conflict in your relationship with God based on the feelings that God failed you. And I've been there. And I think that a lot of people have been there. And for some of you to move forward, you have to begin uh, the healing process, and it begins with forgiving God. 
You know, as I've been through some spiritual uh, transitions this past couple of years and trying to really discover what it is that I was feeling and dealing with some of the, I guess, the emotions that were swimming around within me, I realized that I was angry at God. I realized that I was upset with God. And strangely as it sounded, I needed to work through the forgiveness process with God, the process of letting God off the hook for the ways that he had failed me, releasing him from the times that he didn't provide, that he didn't perform miracles or uh, even seemingly small requests, the times, uh, quite frankly, that God just wasn't there. And so uh, strange as the idea was to me, I still knew that there was power in um forgiving God. And I literally spoke those things out. God, I forgive you for the way, uh, all the ways that you failed me. I forgive you for the times you didn't come through. I forgive you for the times you didn't show up in my pain. You didn't show up in my circumstances. You didn't show up when I really needed you. I forgive you and I release you from those failures. Now, I realize that some of you uh, think that that's shocking. Some of you, it probably gives you... um, like the heebie-jeebies, <laughs> and um, it is a bit uncomfortable. But I think also that there are many of you out there that you understand these feelings, and it resonates with you. For some of you, the idea uh, brings almost a sensation, the release of a heavy burden. Uh, forgiving God and the perceived ways He has failed us may be the most wildly unreasonable act of sanity to actually take us deeper into a meaningful relationship with the divine. Now, I would like to bring this full circle eventually. I'd like to bring this around so there's a a little bit of wholesome to it. But before we explore Um, I want to experience this action because if we rush uh, too far ahead, we're going to miss the beauty of really forgiving God. You're going to miss the warmth and the richness of forgiving God. And for some of you, you won't work through the process if we move through too quickly. So as hard as it may be, uh, set your right and wrong hat down for a moment, your theological discourse aside for a moment, and hang with me on this idea. Many of you have animosity with God. And let's not fake it. Let's be honest with you. Some of you have pain that you perceive, maybe not consciously, but certainly subconsciously, beneath the exterior. And that pain, um, in some ways, is because of God. There's conflict. There's resentment. And uh, you may even have have a, a good reason to believe that God has failed you. And let me tell you, these feelings, I believe, they're important to recognize. They're important uh, to give voice to. It's important to give them space to move and to breathe and to give expression and dialogue. Feelings, man, when you ignore uh, deep-rooted, indiscernible bitterness, the, uh, the indiscernible will um, resurface in destructible and inexplicable ways. So, let this resentment have a voice. Let it have a dialogue. For so many of us, these feelings of anger and resentment and betrayal and abandonment towards God, 
you know, we stuff these things down, and we, uh, because of some religious idea, we think they shouldn't exist, and so we shove them way down inside of us, and um, they never die. They never go away, because they've never been resolved, and they resurface in, in um, unexpected ways. And it's odd that we do this because a book, uh, the book of Psalms, right, which is in the Old Testament um, of the Bible, it's full of moans of God's betrayal, right? And uh, usually they're brought full circle and, and resolved, but the psalmist still gives voice to his upset, his feelings that God has betrayed him. He gives voice to those. He gives space to those. He allows them to um, to come to the surface. So we stuff those things down inside of us, and we don't ever deal with it. We don't ever talk about it. We don't give them space to breathe and mature. Um, and that voice needs to be recognized. In a psychological setting, there is a five-step process to forgiveness. And I, I, I want to walk through those really quickly. Um, and as strange as it may seem to apply these to God, uh, this is the only way to really find resolve with that. Now, this doesn't mean that we ever come to terms with God, and I'm not even asking you to do that. <clears throat> For some of you, you're not, you don't want to do that, or you're not ready to do that, and that's fine. Um, there are no uh, standards by which uh, you need to uh, to meet, right? To listen to this podcast. Um, the first step, though, is to define who and what it is you need to forgive. And so you identify the specific behavior that damaged you. You're precise and you're clear about this. Maybe you write it down or you reflect on it. And so in our situation, you think about the times that God has really failed you. You think about the times that you prayed and God didn't answer. You think about the times that you asked for a miracle and no miracle ever surfaced. Or um, you just think about the times that you really needed God and God wasn't there and then the second step is to let those feelings be filled, uh, felt. You know what's odd is um, the idea that we think we can't be angry with God. First of all, the Bible is full of great men and women who were angry at times with God. Secondly, anger is an emotion that you can temper, but not necessarily one that you can resist in its entirety, right? So all of us get angry at different times about different things uh, when they mess your order up at Starbucks or McDonald's or whatever. Um, whatever. There's all kinds of reasons or things that occur in our life that make us angry. Now, some of us, we explode in stupidity and uh, some of us are more tempered in our anger, but all of us experience anger. So when you have anger towards God and you think to yourself, well, I shouldn't have that, so you shove it down deep inside the recesses of your soul and you don't deal with it, all you're doing is really just lying to yourself, right? Because the anger still exists. So let those feelings be felt, right? And understand uh, the third step is why forgiveness is good for you. You can't walk around angry at everybody all the time. Whether it's your father, whether it's your mother, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your kids, whether it's whoever, including God. At some point, you have to release people from the responsibility of making you feel better. 
You have to release people from the responsibility of measuring up to the expectations that you held for them. Number four, which is going to be the most controversial, have clear boundaries with the perpetrator. Now, this one's the most interesting one to me because in this case, the perpetrator in the context of our discussion is the Almighty. So that's a little odd. And this will probably be, uh, as I said, the most controversial point. Peter Rollins, who um, is simply uh, awesome, and I would encourage you to look him up. Uh, I'd love to have him on the podcast someday, uh, if by some strange chance you're listening, Peter. He does something for Lent each year, which is called Atheism for Lent. And it's where um, individuals step back and they take a break, maybe not so much from their relationship with God, but from the dogma of it. Which is an interesting idea because when I left the ministry, there was so much frustration. There was a lot of brokenness. And for a season, I literally didn't pick up the Bible at all. Now, some of you would tell you that that's a horrible idea. And some of you would tell you that's an an abominable idea. But I needed space to let the words, to let the anger, to let the frustration. I needed space to let the words filter out of my mind so that eventually I could see them in a different light. Um, and recently, just the past couple of months, I picked the Bible back up. I'm reading it again. And I got to tell you, I see it in a very different way. I read the words in a very, a much more healing way, a much more loving way without the animosity, without the, um, the lenses of modern Christianity affixed, right? And it's been, uh, it's been a very healthy process of for a season setting those things aside. You have to have clear boundaries with the one who has offended you. Um, And then finally, the fifth step is remembering it takes courage to forgive. You know, most of us like to stay in our comfort zone. Um, We don't want to face the deep emotions um, that are within us, the bitterness that is within us. And so the process takes time. And it takes courage to say, I'm going to deal with this as the emotions surface. Now, some of you have some deep resentment with God. Let's face it. Uh, I did. I'm sure that you, many of you do. And for reasons probably much bigger than mine. So it takes a certain amount of courage to deal with that anger, to deal with that pain. So the process takes as long as it takes. And it takes courage to step through it each uh, moment at a time, right? So I want to encourage you to, to remember that. And even if you're in the position that you want to deal with the idea of forgiving God, maybe many of you out there are saying, look, I, I don't care. I don't want to deal with it. I don't like God. I don't trust God. And I think all those emotions are completely healthy, by the way. I don't think those are inferior or unspiritual uh, or a lack of spiritual emotion. I think those are standard, regular emotions. You know, the religious folks out there would tell you that what I'm saying today is dangerous. And what they would have you do is suppress all the feelings that you have and all the anger that you have with God. But I'm not interested in religion, and I'm not interested in the BS that the pastor has to say, or anybody else for that matter. What I'm interested in is having an authentic relationship with God, and I don't really care what anybody else thinks, and I don't really care how they feel about how I get there or the process that I need to go through. You know, here's one of the things that frustrates me now that I'm on my soapbox. 
I have those friends who are so pissed off about this podcast and the things that I have to say on it that they feel the need to evangelize to me and tell me the areas that I need. This is my relationship with God. I'm working through this process the best that I can, and all I'm doing on here is calling out to you and saying to you, I encourage you to do that as well. Lay aside what everybody else thinks and lay aside what everybody else has to say about it, and you work through the process with God in an authentic relationship in whatever way works for you. Um, and, and that's really the basis of this podcast anyway, the black sheep experience, going about it our own way, being our own individual. Uh, as uh, if you heard the Holy Heretics podcast, we talked about that a little bit, where we said uh, the Apostle Paul says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, fear in the context means with reverence, but you work out your own salvation. You work out your own relationship with God, and it's you and God, not you and everybody else that's telling you what to do. Okay, enough about that point. Um, So those are the five uh, uh, areas of forgiveness, but I want to add a sixth uh, step or, or note here, and that is this. Determined, uh, determined the God who failed you may have possibly been an imposter. Um, Many of the ideas present in so many spiritual and faith-based circles are lies uh, that commit us to a deity that is absent of divinity. In other words, many of the ideas present in modern-day religion are fabrications. And those lies fail us, they cause us pain. There is a strange and upsetting idea in modern Christianity, and that is the idea of certainty, that somehow we have all the answers, like uh, systematic theology. In fact, there's lots of doctrinal-based belief systems today that proclaim certainty. Our gods today are too well-defined, and yes, I said gods because I'm equating them to idols. Uh, They're too well-defined. They're too well-understood. They're chained to dogmas, to promises, to boxes, to formulas. His blessings are tied to formulas. His identity is tied to formulas. And that causes us a lot of trouble. It has caused me a great deal of pain. Because what I've discovered is God is an unrestrained, untamed, incredibly undefined, in many ways unpredictable, wonderful space of being. And while we may apply some definition to God, he can never be fully defined. Uh, The psalmist says, great is the Lord and greatly to be uh, praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. Uh, St. Anselman, who um, was the Archbishop of Canterbury, nearly a thousand years ago, said, God is that than which one greater cannot be conceived. Uh, Paul Tillich, a modern-day theologian, said there is a form of atheism that is actually closer to God than most theism because most theism is idolatry. So the argument is that most of us know God so well that he's no longer truly God. In other words, we have destroyed the mysterious ways of God, and in so doing, we've destroyed God altogether. Um, there's typically four ways that we see God. Um, 
bringing up Peter Rollins, by the way, I heard this, uh, heard him talk about this. And um, those four ways are this. God is a hyper being. And uh, this is probably the most orthodox view of God. It is God grounded in the understanding that God cannot be conceptualized, right? So God is bigger than anything we can say about God. And so that's God as a hyper being. Then there's God as a super being. And this is the understanding, the most common view, that God is just a bigger version of our own selves. He is our convictions, but amplified, our passions, but in God form. So I am finite, but God is uh, uh, the infinite version of my own self. So his convictions are mine, his passions are mine, um, and that is God as the super being. And then there is God as the ground of being. And this is where you encounter God through giving yourself to the world in love. So God is that which you discover in the act of love itself. Um, And then there's God as an event. And um, this is, God is the name, basically, that we give to that which calls us to greater love, freedom, uh, kindness, um, and so those are the four ways that we perceive God. Again, most common is God as a super being, right? So it is us amplified in God form. And because we have these identities that we describe or we ascribe to God, many times what we're dealing with um, is not really God at all. You know, and I would say that there's another presentation of God um, that is even more common than that. And that is the God that is superimposed through religious settings. And this is where I think most error comes. You know, in my life I have found that most of the things I learned about God in a religious context or in a religious setting, they weren't God at all. There were promises that were Um, that were attributed to God that God never promised. There were personalities attributed to God that weren't God's personality. There were ideas about God that weren't godly at all. And I was told that that, that this is who God is. And I believed it and I bought it, right? I had complete buy-in. This is who God is. But then that God failed me. That God betrayed me, only to discover years later that what I was believing in wasn't God at all. It was an idea of God that somebody had sold to me. It was an idea of God that I had um, bought blindly. You know, it's interesting, through the years I have heard many people promise things on God's behalf. And others believed that. God's going to deliver you from these feelings or these emotions. God's going to deliver you from um, these passions or these ideas or whatever the case may be. There was buy-in with that. They believed that God was really going to deliver them, that they were no longer going to have temptation A or B or C in their life, only to discover that after the hype had died, after the conference was over, temptation A, B, and C showed up again. Well, God failed me. 
Others were told, God's going to heal your marriage, or God's going to heal your body, or God's going to heal your finances. And there was buy-in, there was belief, faith attributed, only to discover down the road that healing never came. God failed me. Others of you have believed that God was going to do all kinds of great things. You were bought and sold this. If you tithe this, God's going to bless your finances. If you give this, God's going to bless this. God's going to bless that. Um, In the first church I pastored, I had one sweet elderly lady who um, a ministry on their program said, we need you to call in, give us your name, address, and phone number so we can put you down on this petition to stop abortion. It was some kind of, um, you know, uh, pro-life thing. So she called, of course, wanting to do the right thing. Gave her name, gave her phone number, gave her address, and in the weeks, you know, following, she got a call almost every other day asking her for money from the ministry with all kinds of promises affixed to it, right? If you give this, God's going to bless your finances. If you give this, God's going to heal your sickness. If you give this, God's going to do this and this and this. And these lies are, are perpetrated constantly across pulpits, across podcasts, across especially TV evangelism. And they're attributed promises from God that God never promised. And so I guess all I'm asking you today is, have you created a God in your own image or perhaps in the image of someone else that's really just an idol? See, when Tillich says there's a form of atheism that is closer to God than most theism, he goes on to say because most theism is idolatry. See, we've, we have too well-defined God. We uh, have, Rob Bell said, whenever uh, God is, uh, uh, and I'm going to butcher it, but when our God is nice, neat little lines, we're no longer dealing with God. So many of us, our God was nothing more than an idol. Our God was nothing more than a falsehood, a fake. We believed in him wholeheartedly and perhaps even very sincerely. And I believe that there are many people in evangelical settings that have believed in God very sincerely. But what they believed in isn't God at all. And so, what I'm proposing is a reboot. That we give God a clean surface, a clean slate with which to paint who He truly is. And so, we're releasing God from all the things that we've known about Him. We're releasing God from all the ways that He's failed us. We're releasing the church that lied to Him about us. We're releasing the pastor, the evangelist that lied to us about Him. We're creating space between us and the perpetrator. And we're allowing something new to be born. New ideas about God. A new identity to God. A fresh and new beginning with the divine. Now, some people would say, no, that's dangerous. Others would say, I don't think that's a good idea. Others would say, that's scary. But in your circumstance, in your situation, wherever it is that you're at today, however it is that you feel about God today, Maybe now is the time to consider a reboot. Right now is the time to consider for a new canvas to exist, for a new portrait to be painted, 
Maybe now is the time for something new to be born. So that's it, man. That's my thought for this week. Um, Man, I'm so glad that you're listening. It really means a lot to me. Please, once again, connect with us on uh, social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, Would really love to see you on there. And if if the podcast is good at all, right, at all. Uh, share it on your uh, on your Facebook, Instagram, Twitter as well. Let people know that we're out there. God bless you, man. And I will see you next week. Right? Done.